Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. I'm your host, Michael Minkoff. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to liberate Christian creativity, and in the last four years, we've given away more than $250,000 in sponsorship value for projects by Christians who are dedicated to their craft and to their faith. If you'd like to contribute to this sponsorship fund or this podcast, please join our patron community today. It's really easy, and it starts at a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com forward slash renew the arts to learn more. Recently, Justice talked with Wendell Kimbrew, a singer-songwriter, performer, and worship leader from Fairhope, Alabama. They discussed the mainstream church's polarized view of emotions and how the psalms of lament and praise can better feed a faith that grapples with all aspects of lived experience. Wendell directs us back to the rich hope and faithful realism of the psalms. In this time of distress, they are exactly what we need. This is Weep With Those Who Weep with Wendell Kimbrough. You're in town because you played a show last night here at Signal Mountain. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was a great, great evening. Had a had a great band from Nashville here with me and got to talk about psalms and lead people through psalms of all types, mm-hmm. lament, celebration, thanksgiving, trust, um, just had a great time. It was fun. Yeah, it seemed like uh, it seems like you made progress throughout the night. I think for about the first five songs, there was no clapping, which was <laughs> <laughs> so Presbyterian. Very Presbyterian. I can yeah. say that because I'm Presbyterian. Yeah, and I grew up Presbyterian. Yeah. yeah. So I was. Yeah. I usually kind of when I'm at a Presbyterian church, I usually poke them a little bit. <laughs> so um, you know, yeah. you know to expect it. Yeah. I'm like that's perfect. You guys clap like Presbyterians, uh-huh. <laughs> or something like that. What's so funny is that like the thinking behind not clapping, and there is like a certain theology behind yeah. not clapping, but I don't think very many people really hold to it anymore. It's almost more traditional now yeah. because you can totally get them to clap. Yeah, if you get them to, into the right space. So I showed up late. Um, which was okay. a, a real bummer. Well, you came after I made my joke about clapping. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I even missed yeah. that. <laughs> GPS, by the way, sent us to a... We ended up on a gravel road in the middle of a hunting reservation on the top what? of Signal Mountain, and it was very weird. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, looking back on it, there should have been several moments where we sh- should have known we were not going the right way. But that was easy to see coming back. <laughs> you were trusting your GPS. Trust is a powerful thing. I do. Yeah. I really do. Because I'm terrible, actually. I with trust directions. my GPS, too. I mean, wholehearted. I'm talking, I was on a gravel road for miles. <laughs> I saw a flock of turkeys. You know, it took it took a turning into, like, so this, this, like, clear-cut area. It was, like, turn right into this clear-cut field. That's what it took for me to finally... I felt like Michael Scott, you know, turned well, I was going to say, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking about, the episode where he just dive-bombs the rental car that's, that's actually, into the, like, pond. 
That's actually what happened. It yeah. was like, turn right into this field. And I started to turn right. Like, yeah. I actually just stopped. And I was like, nope. No. So anyway, so we showed up so late. Uh, yeah. But like, we were staying out in the atrium waiting for, you know, maybe a louder moment to walk in on. And, um, we kept getting caught into a conversation. But every, there were a, a couple songs ended and uh, just dead crickets. Yeah. It was unbelievable. You're like, how do we quietly sneak in? I, no, really. It was like, let's sneak, yeah. sneak in during the clapping. During the clapping. Like, yeah. <laughs> what clapping? So. Well, it's, it's a little, in their defense, it's a little bit of a um, trick because I, you know, we start with a couple of more so- songs like that you might applaud after, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we dive straight into Lament. Yeah. And um, it doesn't always feel right to clap at the end of a lament. You know, in fact, exactly. my personal take is that's not when you clap. You know? Yeah. But um, it's a little bit of a um, gauntlet of, well, do we clap or do we not clap? You know, decisions for an audience to make right. or a congregation to make. And there's just more baggage there for a good Presbyterian. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's that's right. More, more to weigh. Right, right. <laughs> Too many calculations to perform uh, before the correct moral, ethical decision can be arrived at. Yeah. Yeah. But this is great. So <clears throat> you're starting to jump into lament. And um, one of the reasons that... I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, is um, because of your, your vision for the Psalms. And um, we talked we talked a couple weeks ago, I guess now, and it was unbelievable. I was so encouraged and inspired um, by, I guess, your relationship with the Psalms and what you, what, what you think that the Psalms could do um, kind of for the church today. Uh, I called it an antidote. I don't know if that's the right word. But anyway, I guess <clears throat> I'd, I'd like you to share kind of how the Psalms could lead the church forward um, in this moment. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. just have, you know, why, why is it that you do focus so much on the Psalms and not just the quote-unquote normal psalms, right? Because mm-hmm. you could, you know, you could hang out in the psalms and hang out in a couple psalms that, that we've standardized in, in contemporary worship or, or used a lot, Psalm 23 being like a key, you know, prime example. Yeah. Um, but you, you don't stay in those, in yeah. that selection. Yeah. So tell me about, what is it with you in the psalms? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, maybe a way to start getting into that is to talk a little bit about my church music history. Um, so, uh, speaking of Presbyterians, I grew up Presbyterian. Woo-hoo. And yeah, yeah, and um, that's right. <laughs> I uh, I loved uh, I loved a lot of the hymns that we sang. Mm-hmm. I thought they were beautiful, just compelling melodies, interesting harmonization, um, beautiful text, um, and yet um, the way that we did them, and really kind of the whole context of our church, it was a very dry, I would say emotion 
phobic space. Hmm. Just like um, emotion, and and I think and nobody nobody actually said this. You know, this, mm-hmm. this was never like taught to me in church that I can remember, but it was very much this kind of like church is something we do with our brains, and yeah, um, uh, and to me, I guess I was always very connected to music. Like, just I was like very musical kid. Like, I was humming. I could carry a tune before I could talk. You know, mm-hmm. so. Music was just very intuitive to me, and music I think is inherently emotive. It connects to your heart, um, and so I kind of struggled a little bit with that. But I, but because that was all I knew growing up, my dad's a pastor, so really, you know, anytime the doors were open at our church, I was there, and really hardly ever visited another church as a kid. So that was kind of all I knew. Um, but I remember getting into like high school, um, and like just going to like a couple of youth retreats with other churches. We didn't really have a, a youth group at my church, but so I would just kind of tag along with friends at different youth group things. Yeah. And and getting exposed to what you might think of as like just kind of mainstream evangelical worship, modern worship culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having really mixed feelings about what I experienced there. One, it was like there was a lot of emotion. And that was weird and scary to me (laughs) on the one hand, you know, just because it was like, like, oh, we don't do that, you know. That's that's off limits. Um, That's scary. Um, Also being a little drawn to it, you know, and just Mm kind of like, that's curious and interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, then at the same time, having this very very like messy private internal emotional life i mean just think of your classic like teenager stereotype you know mm-hmm. all these big feelings not sure what to do with them nobody really to talk to about them you know mm-hmm. so i've got like my actual life which is this big emotional mess and then i've got one flavor of church that's like all emotions are bad and scary and mm-hmm. stay away from them Mm-hmm. And then I've got this other flavor of church that's like, emotion is great, except just one emotion. And that's like, mm. happy praise. Yep. Right? Like, like get fired up for Jesus. Yep. You know, like, stick the hand in the air and, you know, feel grateful and excited. Yeah. And, and that didn't resonate with my actual, like, lived experience either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think in a way, like, I just, I don't know. I didn't really know what to do with any any of that. And, mm-hmm. and in some ways now, I can look back at all that and be like, man, that kid needed somebody to come walk through him, walk, walk with him through the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And um, that kid, and I think a, a lot of us, maybe all of us in some way, um, are hungry for a um, experience of church or an experience of God or both where our whole self is welcome. Mm -hmm. Our big, scary, messy emotions, our joyful, grateful, 
thankful, you know, praise emotions, excited emotions, mm-hmm. um, our intellect, you know, our thoughts, our deepest thoughts um, can all be invited into the same space and be in the room with God and that be okay. Right? <laughs> crazy. What are you crazy. talking about? What are you saying? <laughs> right? What a crazy idea. Yeah. Um, but that's like, that's my, um, that's what, I, in some ways, I really think um, biblical psalm-led worship is. Is it's, it's, it's just coming to God um, who is generous, patient, and just open-armed toward mm-hmm. us, you know. Mm-hmm. The God who is love, um, welcoming us to come to Him with our our anger, our sadness, our fear, our confusion, as well as our praise, thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this great. I, I, it's a great little summary, or like captures this. I think it's in Psalm fifty, um, where. It's and I'm going to kind of butcher this a little bit, but my my recollection of it is God's essentially saying, um, "Don't just come to me with your religious observance, you know. Don't just come to me with your religious rituals." Mm-hmm. Um, and and He says, "Here's what I want. Here's the kind of worship I want from you." And the first thing He says is. Um, it's like it's like two things. It's like bring sacrifices of thanksgiving, right? Which that's what we would kind of think of as praise, like mm-hmm. coming to God with my praise and thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and call on me in the day of trouble, mm-hmm. and I'll deliver you, and you'll glorify me. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the. It's like God saying, I actually want you to come to me in your times of trouble, and I want to have the kind of relationship with you where you bring your broken, weird, messy life safely to me. In worship. In worship. In Exactly. It's a, it's a psalm about worship. It's about what kind of worship is acceptable and not acceptable, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's like, don't bring your performative, everything's great, God, BS right. in my house. It's, right. like, it's like, when you're in trouble, talk to me about it. You know? there's, even, there's even semantics that have to be like reassessed because there's phrases that we use like oh last night was so worshipful and you know maybe some people mean that differently but a lot of times it means like felt really good or like there's this sense of like i don't know it was just i felt encouraged or i felt these certain things obviously worship can include that sure um but it'd be interesting to have like a really sad night of worship where it was like we're just laying it all out there and it was it's hard. Like we were crying. Mm-hmm. Like it was. We're we're here because we're not satisfied. Mm-hmm. We're here because we're struggling. Mm-hmm. We're here because we don't like what's going on. Or we're here because the wicked seem to be thriving, and I don't get it. And I'm actually a little bit annoyed. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, last night was really worshipful. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. we use it the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly could be that way. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, I'm thinking back to your question about. I think it was kind of how did I come to the Psalms, and I kind of gave you one answer, but there's kind of another way of talking about that too. So that's um, your. 
That's like, that's your story of how you personally have come to no. Well, it kind of is. <laughs> it's on. It's almost like the prequel. You know, <laughs> that's like that's how the backstory. Did, it's a little bit. That really, what I'm answering there is more like how did Wendell get to the point where when he found his way into the Psalms, um, it felt like the the promised land. Mm. It felt like wow, this is what I've been hungry for for all these years. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I actually got into the Psalms was through my church um, in South Alabama, uh, a little town called Fairhope, asking me as kind of an artist-in-residence, songwriter-in-residence type of thing, asking me to write a psalm refrain every Sunday for three years to follow the lectionary. Who who was brilliant enough to commission this? <laughs> he would love to hear you say that. Um, the, the head pastor, uh, Robert Sewell. Um, but they had actually been doing something similar to this before I got there. The previous worship leader, they'd been singing um, kind of an antiphon or a refrain with, mm-hmm. with their psalm reading each Sunday. Um, but... Um, is a little more informal, and I was coming to, I came to that church um, really longing to write more. I had struggled and struggled to find space and time to write in my life in D.C., which is where I lived before, mm. moved to Alabama. And um, so I just was like so ready to, to dig into songwriting. And when, and it was, it was really a God thing when this, when this pastor said, hey, would you write something every week? I was like, first I was a little taken aback because I thought that sounds really challenging. And I'm I'm a recovering perfectionist. And so the idea of having to finish something for public mm. consumption, like on a weekly deadline a basis, basis, is yeah. like being asked to be a columnist, you know, when you're used to writing like three articles a year. You know? <laughs> it's like, we need you to write a weekly column. Go. Mm-hmm. You know? But... Um, it was, uh, I also just felt like, yes, I want to do this. Like, this is going to be good for me, a good challenge. And the lectionary is a little cautious. Like, it doesn't, it actually excludes a lot of the harder psalms, a lot of the mm-hmm. psalms that Western white Christianity finds confusing or threatening. Mm. Um <laughs> But it but it does it does include some of them and it includes them in specific places like particularly like Holy Week, mm-hmm. um, the the services of Holy Week. Um, there's space for lament. Um, in Advent, there's some of the How Long, O Lord, Psalms. Um, so it's there. It's not like it's not it's not quite the same experience as if you were just literally marching through the Psalms from one to one fifty. Right. You'd get so much lament. It is so much curated. Yeah, it's still very curated. And And it's curated in one direction. That's right. Yeah, exactly. But even with that, just the experience of riding through the Psalms and wrestling with them each week Mm -hmm. and asking, what is this actually saying? Or what would it have felt like for ancient Israel to sing this? Like, what would would their emotional experience have been singing this psalm? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times just having huge light bulbs come on as I got into it and realizing like, oh, this is totally relevant 
mm-hmm. to my life and to our like the ch- struggles in my church and our like national politics yeah. and like all these different layers of application. Mm-hmm. Um, where at first I would look at a psalm and think, "Ooh, this is going to be a tricky one. I don't know what's what I'm going to sing mm. out of this psalm. This is weird, you know." And then just having these like totally just light bulb moments, like, "Oh my gosh." We need to sing this. Yeah, like, yes. We need to be singing about this very thing. This is probably like a tangent to, to be edited out, but there was even one, there were, there, there were even more than one. There were, there were weeks where it almost felt like God was like, I had ordained the lectionary to deal with some national tragedy or something, you know, shootings and things that were going on. And lo and behold, we just happened to have a psalm of lament like that coming up that Sunday. Um, uh, anyway, it just felt very... All of a sudden it was like, actually, this this isn't a hard fit. Mm-mm. This is a very normal fit. This is exactly what we need. But it makes me wonder, why have we been satisfied with not this approach for so long? Like, how is it? Like you talked about a worship experience where you only bring the happy you into the room. Mm-hmm. Um, or worship being, you know, only a certain, <clears throat> you know, a certain kind of acceptable or, or pleased posture, you know, or, mm-hmm. or like we're already right with God by the time we're going to get around to worship, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, why, how have we gotten there? Like, how in the world is that the case? If, if, if humans are so very basically not that one-dimensional. Right. And if Christians' experience is so absolutely not that one-dimensional, how can it feel to you and to me and to so many other people that we talk to, how have we gotten to a point where it feels like that? that's our entire worship? How is that even possible? Yeah. Like, that's a real question. It's a real Any question. Any ideas? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got, I got a few, but, but it's the kind of question that I feel like is um, probably worthy of a dissertation or mm. somebody probably has already written it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so maybe we could both do a little snooping around on that. Um, it's probably something that, like, a John Whitfleet, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but Not. he'd probably have some some take on that. He's the director of the Calvin um, Institute of Christian Worship yeah. up at Calvin College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, their whole vision is very psalm-centric, you know. Oh, so. cool. Um, but I'm sure somebody's written that paper or that book. But if not, somebody should, if you're listening and you're a scholar of church history. <laughs> if you know why. Yeah. We need the answer, or yeah. at least I'd like to. Yeah. I'd like to know. I, but maybe I, a poke or two? Yeah, so I have one theory that I will put out there, and it's pretty, it's, it's probably, uh, it's probably going to be a little controversial, like, <laughs> like probably, probably upset some people. Um, and then we cut to a completely different thing. <laughs> like, what happened there? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and again, it could be, it, this could be totally off. Um, but I, I suspect that there is some connection between what we do 
what we consider acceptable and unacceptable in church and the kind of legacy of um, the slave trade and white supremacy and um, really just yeah I do <laughs> I think there's I'm a connection. Sorry, that tone was not no, like no, no, you're it's crazy. Okay. That tone is that is not what I expected. Yeah, um, I think about it like this. So there's a great there's a great essay by um, Wendell Berry. Mm-hmm. The other Wendell, <laughs> as I like to call him. No. <laughs> I think I'm probably the other Wendell. Um, no, but uh, it's called The Hidden Wound, and it's it's from like the 70s, and it's a little dated. There's stuff in there that's a little weird, but it's but but overall, the the idea it, it, that he's advancing is when you racialize a society, when you when you take a bunch of humans and you say, oh, we're not all actually human made in the image of God, we, this group is this way and this group is that way. Mm. What you inevitably do is you, um, you dehumanize both groups because you end up taking things that are essentially human and, and assigning and them to one group or the other. Them. Yeah. And so both, both groups lose. And that's part of his, his argument is like racialization societally, it doesn't just hurt the oppressed. Right. It hurts the oppressor as well. Like it does damage to the humanity and the image of God in the oppressor as well. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And, I, and I read that probably 10, 15 years ago and was just like, yes. Like, that resonated with me a lot. Well, and it's, and it's true that um, the black church in the United States has not had the same problem and has certainly a very different relationship with the Psalms than we do. I mean, just look at literally, literally gospel music and you're like, it's completely different. Or even the secular, if you can't even call it that, but, you know, the, the, the popular um, genres that came out of uh, that culture, like blues. It's yeah. like, there's no problem with lament. There's no problem with um, hanging out in that space at all. So that's it's, very interesting. It's certainly in that tradition. Um, in, our in a way that it's context. not in ours. But I think mm-hmm. also, and this is where I see it more in the white church, like, like there are a lot of psalms that... It's like, picture yourself in like 1850 in the South. Mm-hmm. You're white. You're probably, maybe you're not a slave owner, but you live in this very apartheid slave society type situation mm-hmm. um, or even honestly in like Jim, the Jim Crow South of the 20th century you've got um, you've got this whole group of society that I think on some intuitive level when you read a lot of the Psalms you realize maybe not consciously but you realize that these Psalms actually kind of belong to those people hmm. like they are the cry of the oppressed. There's so many times in the Psalms that it's like, it's about the oppressed. You know? mm-hmm. and, um, and all these Psalms of lament that are crying out about the injustice and the brokenness of the world and how the powerful are crushing the, right. the powerless. And I just think, I'm like, if you, are, if you are the pastor of a church of white people and you're trying to do this ethical 
like gymnastics. Gymnastics, literally, in your head, in which you can justify keeping this group of people completely marginalized and subhumanized in your world. Like, you can't sing psalms of lament. You're probably not going to pull those in. You just can't do it. You Mm -hmm. can't sing those psalms in church. It's going to scandalize the consciences of the people in the room. Well, what about today? Um, What do you mean? I mean... Well, if racism is alive and well, then who are we to sing psalms as we, I mean, like, you know, we're both like white guys, you know. You obviously think it is appropriate to bring psalms of lament to the table for even these contexts, not because we're an, an oppressed group, though. I guess I'm saying fast forward to now, what does that mean for us? Sorry to interrupt. I want to take just a moment to thank all of our Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. Without your help, we literally couldn't afford to keep doing this. I want to offer a special thanks to our newest supporter, Carly Teich. Thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to contribute to this podcast and this movement, please join our patron community today at patreon.com forward slash renew the arts. I guess I'm saying fast forward to now, what does that mean for us? Yeah. So, two two thoughts on that. Um, one, we should we should very much be singing those psalms, um, if if only in a recognition of how much God cares about those issues mm-hmm. and cares about people that aren't privileged. I mean, that's part of what it means to be disciple after Jesus is to care about the things He cares about. You know, and so mm-hmm. so if we even if we only sing those psalms. Um, about the oppressed in solidarity with like Christian brothers and sisters in our own country and also around the world who are right. quite literally in every way oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, this should very much be part of our understanding of what it means to be the church, to be the body of Christ, to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. You know, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so so totally, um, should, we should be singing those psalms. Um, but I also would say it's a it's a false dichotomy to say like the poor or those who are unfavored by the systems of our society um, are the only ones who have things to lament. It's mm-hmm. kind of a lie that doesn't do service to the poor or to the rich. You know, right to because the, to the weak or the powerful, like right because we does, actually all have great pain right. in our lives. Does the rich the, man have no pain? Yeah, the fall is not. Um, it does not discriminate. You mm-hmm. know, the brokenness extends every bit to the to the rich and powerful. And I think, but I think part of why lament is so important to the privileged or the rich and powerful is is like to recognize their own humanity. Which helps them see the humanity of others. You know, it's like right. It's like I I feel for this this family that whose wounds are very visible. Uh huh. Because I know, I I I know my own wounds. You know, <laughs> absolutely. And it's like even going back to an earlier part of the conversation. In a worship or even theological context where emotions are not to be trusted. <clears throat> if you define empathy as an emotion, 
which there would yeah. probably be, be gymnastics done to, to not define empathy as an emotion. Yeah. But if it is, or if it's certainly driven or, you know, intertwined with emotion, then in a context where emotions are entirely untrustworthy, you're going to find pretty unempathetic people. Mm. And, mm. you know, that just contributes to kind of what you're talking about mm -hmm. as far as it's just a, it's a vicious cycle to, um, to focus in on just the mind. And then you miss out on some of these things. You start creating, you know, doing theological gymnastics and, and that empathy muscle, that empathy gland, you mm -hmm. know, just shrivels. Mm -hmm. Instead of worshiping God with your emotions, mm -hmm. instead of seeing how much of God's image is also in emotions, which is a huge problem, I think, particularly, and I'm Reformed, but particularly in Reformed context where the word or like this lecture style um, is imminent and we say like primary, but we mean exclusive. Like where the way that we learn truth is the preaching of the word. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I don't think that's quite all of it. We learn, we learn truth in varied ways and it can be in creative context. I mean, that's part of why the Psalms do preach the truth, but they are creative because they speak to us in a different, they come swinging in from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And we can rejoice and worship the Lord with both of our heart and our mind. Mm -hmm. Man, yeah. we ran out of time to talk about <laughs> the second topic <laughs> so that I wanted lot. to talk about. Yeah, there's so much more we can say about this one. I know, we could talk on and on and on about the Psalms. So we've been talking for about 30 minutes. Let's, um, because I want to talk to you about CCLI. Sure. Um, so we'll try to get to that, but I want to make sure we wrap up well on this. So you have this vision for how the Psalms can really bring a huge amount, like not just the Psalms, we have the Psalms, how a, a, um, Almost a more comprehensive approach to the Psalms. A more open-armed... <laughs> particularly singing them in public worship or singing um, psalm, having a psalm-like, or maybe you might say a psalter-like catalog of music that we sing on Sundays. I'm not like an exclusive psalmody guy. Right. Um, although I, I'm, in some ways I'm like grateful that that tradition is there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, um, uh, that our, I mean, I take the Psalms to be like, this is the songbook. It's like God says, this is the songbook you're going to need guys. Here it is. Mm -hmm. Like in the world that you live in between Eden and the new heavens and the new earth, like this is the songbook you need to survive here. Mm -hmm. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. This is what you need to have the kind of relationship of trust and love with me that you're going to need, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you've been you've been so, working toward, like you've been you've actually. Uh, what's great about your what's great about you is that you've started writing these songs, and uh, you have at least two albums, two records, yeah, right now of psalm that are mostly psalm based. Um, 
and um, a lot more psalm refrains that I'll develop or am developing, um, and probably at least another couple psalms records. I got a few other ideas in the mm-hmm. opera of what an, another record would 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 look like, but um, um, yeah, like I want to have my whole catalog of music be very psalm informed and psalm shaped so that if you just put all the music that Wendell's written for church on and hit like shuffle play, it'd be like having the 150 psalms on and hitting shuffle play in terms of what kind of emotional content right. you would encounter. Right. Um, in what, in which, in, in, in proportion. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, and I really think that's a pretty good vision of what like I would hope churches would, would offer Mm-hmm. to their congregations on Sundays. Yeah. Um, if not, you know, here are the 150 psalms and this is the only thing we're going to sing. I'm, again, not advocating for that necessarily, but like when you come to church, you're going to experience a psalm-informed worship, which is going to have space for lament. It's going to have space for celebration. We will be a people who are capable of weeping with those who weep mourning with those who mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice, as the New Testament talks about. Yeah. Um, I mean, Paul says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And those three, the three Greek words, this is a bit of a nerd tangent, but like... I'm all about it. Those three Greek words are three... They are headings of psalms in the Septuagint. So Mm -hmm. in the translation of the psalms that Jesus and... Paul would have both used, you know, the, in our Bibles we'll say like a psalm of David, mm-hmm. a song, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, uh, a pretty good case can be made that when Paul says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, what he's actually saying is like, sing, sing these kinds of psalms and these other kinds of psalms and these other kinds of psalms. Like, you uh, need all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need all types of psalms. Like, don't just sing the ones you like or that are most yeah. comfortable, like... Dig into the whole, the because whole psalter. without a little bit of digging, it is kind of just repetitious or repetitive. It's like <clears throat> sing psalms and yeah, hymns and spiritual songs. In in my context, that's just synonyms. It's yeah, just like okay, right. What does that mean? Okay, yeah. why are you saying that? Yeah, that's a yeah. really interesting point. Yeah. Well, thanks for all the work that you've done on writing. Yeah, man, writing those, and you always put out songbooks, or you have put out songbooks with each of your. Albums, which is really helpful for people who want to lead those psalms in their church, um, which is also really helpful. And those are in print. And are they online? Is there they are, digital yeah, formats? You can get digitally. Windowk.com. And he's on Bandcamp. And on Bandcamp. Yeah. Big thing for me. I yeah. love Bandcamp. Yeah. I really do. Not enough people are on there. And I'm, I'm glad that you're on there. Speaking of churches... Playing your songs, that's the whole thing. That's the reason CCLI exists, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going we're gonna, to, we got to wrap it up here. But I want you to just say what the conversation is going to be. And then we'll have that conversation over there for our, our Patreon backers. But maybe just like the cliff notes of like, what is this thing, CCLI? And why is there perhaps um, different ways to view it? Like, why are there... Um, cheerleaders and uh, naysayers. People, naysayers yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so Christian, uh, CCLI is Christian Copyright Licensing International, and um, they um, they collect royalties from churches um, and pay that those royalties to songwriters mm-hmm. and well, rights holders in general. So songwriters, publishers, right. And often, the a lot of cases, it's record songs. labels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not always just the just the songwriters. Um, and in fact, to some degree, I don't know, might rarely be necessarily just the songwriters. That would probably be the exception more than the rule. Yeah, that it, that it would be just the songwriters. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and CCLI is um, they're they're. They're kind of the only game in town doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so they are kind of at the center of a pretty large revenue stream, maybe the largest in Christian music. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Um, I'm kind of just guessing about that. But um, a lot of money comes through CCLI. And gets distributed out to the different record labels and publishing houses and and artists. Um, and um, they're controversial for a lot of reasons. Um, they and maybe I should pause there and just say we'll talk about that after the break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, how's that for a teaser? No, that, yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, there, there were definitely pros and cons. I could have brought. And I was just telling Lyndall, I could have brought on plenty of people that I've talked to who have just ranted against CCLI. And I could bring the equal amount of people in who are just totally rah-rah CCLI. Um, and Wendell is, uh, has a very nuanced take on it, which is perfect. Uh, I'm all about it. So we're going to continue that conversation on Patreon if you're not a backer. You should definitely join us on Patreon where we continue a lot of these conversations and dig into stuff. I do want to wrap up this uh, episode. If you're fine with it, a little tradition is to end it with a song. If we're featuring a musician, then we'll try to feature a song. And I don't know if we need to register it with CCLI so that we can get paid. <laughs> but, uh, no, you, 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 don't. you probably would fall under like more BMI than CCLI <laughs> in this case. But, um, it's but do you have a song that you think would wrap up this conversation well? One of your songs that you think might be a good conclusion for yeah. our listeners? Yeah, I'd, I would love for your listeners to hear um, a song called The Hand of God of mine that's based on Psalm 82. Mm. It's from my last record. Um, it's a public lament. It's a lament about the world not being as it should be. The the um, It's uh, in Psalm 82, the it's one of those controversial kind of confusing psalms where god gathers like it's like this god gathers the um little g gods mm. um mm-hmm. the judges the rulers the powers it's a little unclear like who are these yeah, these little who, g yeah. gods you know um but it's clear that they are they are powers they are authorities they are they are like um people or institutions who govern and rule and Essentially, God tells them, I have allowed you to have power so that you could protect the weak. Your power is for the purpose of caring for the powerless. Mm. And you're not doing that. You're not using it right. And um, 
and God's angry <laughs> about that. And so it's a lament. It's a it's I kind of turned the way the psalm operates a little bit so it's more in our voice than God's voice. Gotcha. Um but um yeah, so this is the hand of God based on Psalm 82. Yeah. 